in my mind, there's nothing more empowering than that. There's nothing more empowering than being able to um, take control of your own reproductive journey. I mean, that is a gift that women today have that many women in other countries still don't have. And um, there are many, many ways to start your family. Um, you know, it's, it's great when it happens easily, but just because it's not happening at home in the old fashioned way, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And it doesn't mean that it makes you less of a woman or less valuable or broken or defective. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Life Gives You Lemons. Thank you so much for being here again today. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Mavis Garcia, an obstetrician, gynecologist, and fertility specialist, as well as assistant medical director at Markham Fertility Center. She is backed by a substantial medical resume and also received numerous prestigious awards during her academic career. Her research has also been well-recognized. She received the Canadian Foundation for Women's Health Research Award and the Paul Harding Research Award in 2008 and 2009. Dr. Garcia believes it's about time we work on the stigma around infertility, what we need to support each other and share the information for women to become informed and empowered and not to feel ashamed and isolated. Mavis was also an IVF patient herself and now has two beautiful children. And I believe, having been through the journey herself, she can provide a very unique and beneficial perspective, one you're not going to encounter every day. So I'm so happy to have her here with me today, and I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. So here we go. Hi, Dr. Garcia, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you today. Obviously, this is a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart because I'm kind of in the midst of my own infertility journey. So it's kind of special to me. But I've also just found it really amazing lately. I've been opening up more and more about it and kind of sharing my journey on social media. And in doing that, I found it like overwhelming in the best way of how many other people have actually gone through it as well. Like I've had so many people reach out to me and they've been so great to sort of share their journeys with me in hopes of like offering me help. And I guess before that I knew it was a big thing and there was a lot of people that affected, but I didn't realize like how many people in my circle or that I knew who'd gone through it. And everyone's story seems to be really different and some last longer. Some have happy outcomings. Most have a happy outcoming. Some are still struggling, but it just really opened my eyes again to like what an important topic it is. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really important thing to kind of be discussing. Uh, absolutely. And I'm so happy you're talking about this because it is about time that we uh, work on the stigma around infertility. I mean, what we need is support to support each other and to talk about it and to share the information and for women to be informed and empowered. I know to feel ashamed and isolated. So thank you so much for, for, for spreading that uh, wonderful message. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we dive into the questions, maybe you could just um, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and a little bit of a background and then we'll get started. Sure. Uh, my name is Arthur Garcia. I am a fertility specialist at Martin Fertility Center. I've been working there for almost 10 years now. 
uh, my area of expertise is just basically helping people uh, start to grow and complete their families. Uh, we work with uh, couples struggling with infertility, recurrent miscarriages, same-sex couples, uh, couples needing uh, third-party reproduction like surrogacy, donor sperm, and donor eggs. So basically all areas of reproductive function. Very amazing. Um, so yeah, we're going to dive into the questions, but actually I also just wanted to kind of share a funny story with everyone sort of about like how you and I met because it kind of makes me laugh, but I can say it, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I just, I mean, not in details, but it's just, it's kind of a funny story. So Dr. Garcia is not my doctor, but um, she's one of the three amazing doctors at Markham Fertility. So because with COVID things are up operating a little bit differently, which you guys have been doing an amazing job with it. Like everyone there has been so wonderful. Um, so when I was doing, going for my egg retrieval, I was scheduled to be with Dr. Garcia cause they're kind of on a rotating shift. So I, you know, went in, met with you in the morning and we met in your office and you know, you're like, Oh, I don't think that we've met yet. And I was like, no, but you know, I've been actively following you on social media cause you've got this great social media going and it's very informative. And uh, so then, yeah, we go and I have my egg retrieval. And so when you have your egg retrieval, you're put under anesthetic. And I'd been thinking for a while, like I wanted to reach out to her and um, have you come on the podcast and talk about this topic. Um, so the first thing is, is like I come to from anesthetic and I'm like, yes, yeah, so I have this podcast and I really want you to be on it. And I didn't remember exactly what I said, but I was like, oh, man, <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah, you were half asleep when you were saying that. Yeah. Okay, I guess we'll talk about this when you're fully conscious. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, thank you for agreeing to be here today. We obviously had a conversation about it later on when I was able to make sense. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll just dive right into things. So I guess why don't we start off with what is infertility? So infertility is essentially the inability to conceive and it's technically defined as um, having sexual relations for 12 months um, without a pregnancy. Now that, that definition has been expanded as well into uh, women who are uh, having recurrent miscarriages, um, also women who are not having regular cycles, they don't need to wait the whole 12 months before seeing a fertility specialist. Women who are older, we recommend that even though the definition, technically the textbook definition is still 12 months of trying to conceive without pregnancy, women who are older, we do recommend that they seek the help of a fertility specialist after six months of trying. And then it also gets expanded to women uh, or couples who can conceive because of uh, they're, they're in a same-sex relationship. Okay, yeah, very interesting. I think that's like good for people to know, especially that... With age, because I think we're seeing it more and more that people are starting families later, right? So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, and then, what about what is unexplained infertility? Because we seem to be seeing this quite often, and I don't know why you think that is, or sort of what it is. So unexplained infertility is basically this general term that we give to couples that have been through the fertility workout and know specific diagnosis of the cause of infertility has been made. And it is important because if you go to the doctor for a headache and the doctor does a whole bunch of investigations and they say, okay, you know, you don't have a brain tumor, you don't have this, you don't have that, it's just a headache, 
and that's fine. It's just a headache. Um, and you can just take an aspirin or a Tylenol and, and not worry about it. But when it comes to infertility, just because your tests are all normal, if you still cannot conceive, then that is important and you still have to worry about it. So that's mm-hmm. why it's important to make that distinction. Yes, everything is normal, but it doesn't mean that you don't require fertility treatment. So the term unexplained fertility basically means that the initial investigations have been normal, but the problem is still exists, which is the infertility, and therefore treatment will still be uh, offered, should still be offered. For sure. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and then maybe we could take a look at, because I mean, obviously everyone's journeys are different and depends on your stage and which way you go, but you know, you're often going to hear about IUI and IVF. So maybe you could explain kind of what the differences are between the two. So IUI and IVF are two different fertility treatments that are offered for different indications. They have different um, technology and different uh, chances of success. So IUI is usually less expensive than IVF. It's also less invasive. And what it involves is taking uh, the sperm from a male partner or from a donor sperm and doing what is called a sperm wash, where we separate the good sperm from the bad sperm, from, sorry, the more motile sperm from the less motile sperm. And we concentrate it into a syringe um, and then insert that, insert the catheter right inside the uterus, very close to where the fallopian tubes are. And this is done at a time when the female partner is ovulating. So we are hoping that the sperm will swim towards the fallopian tube where the egg should be waiting, fertilized with an egg, and hopefully pregnancy will happen. So this is, like I mentioned before, it's less expensive than IVF and less invasive. Unfortunately, it's also much less successful. Mm-hmm. The pregnancy rate with an IUI is anywhere between 10 to 15 to 20% at the best. And the reason for that, that that is the fecundity rate for humans. So male and a female, have sexual relations during ovulation, the chances that a pregnancy will happen, even into people who are perfectly healthy, it's only about 15 to 20%. That's just the way that human reproduction is. It's not very effective like it is for other species. So IUI is just replicating that. Okay. Um, so it's a great treatment for women who are in a same-sex relationship. So technically they don't have infertility and all that we need is to give them access to donor sperm in this case. It's also a great treatment for couples that are having difficulty with intimacy, uh, either due to erectile dysfunction or to some other mechanical barrier where sexual relations are difficult. Uh, it is also a treatment for unexplained infertility. Um, um, so, um, especially for couples who are generally speaking um, young and that are not having, that haven't had a long, long history of infertility, would be a reasonable first step in some situations. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, IVF is uh, a more invasive treatment. It's more expensive, but it's also a lot more effective. And what it does is that the purpose of IVF is to get eggs and sperm outside of the body and fertilize them into the lab. The way that we get those eggs outside of the body is by giving women medications to stimulate the ovaries to produce the eggs and then doing the process 
uh, going through the process called an egg retrieval, which is where you and I met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and had a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> going through the process of the egg retrieval, where we get the eggs and the sperm and then fertilize them in the lab. And they can be fertilized either naturally, like in the same way that the sperm would normally fertilize an egg in the fallopian tube. That's conventional IVF. Or they can be fertilized with a procedure called ICSI, where we take the egg, we remove the layer around it, and then we take a sperm and put it directly inside the cytoplasm of the egg to uh, make sure that the sperm gets where it needs to get in order to fertilize an egg. So IVF has many, many benefits over IUI. The main one is that it has generally a better chance of pregnancy. The second one is that hopefully you could create multiple embryos in one IVF cycle and potentially have multiple children from one IVF cycle and the ability to space out those children as well. So let's say a woman does IVF at age 35 and she makes four embryos, for example. She could have a child potentially at 36, another one at 39, another one at 43, where her natural fertility would probably not let her do that. The fact that embryos were created at a younger age would allow her to do that. So that's one of the benefits of IVF. Another benefit is the ability to be able to do genetic testing on the embryos, uh, whether for the general genetic screening um, that we do on embryos or whether it is for a specific genetic condition like cystic fibrosis or or other inherited diseases. For sure. Amazing. Thank you so much for explaining that. It's great. My pleasure. Um, and maybe we could touch a little bit on how far IVF has come. Like I know, say back in the day, you would always hear the stories of people like having three babies or twins, or it was multiple, right. like a common thing. Right. Um, but IVF has like come a really long way since then. Right. It absolutely has. So implantation rate has increased significantly, especially now with the use of pre-implantation genetic screening, where we're able to do a biopsy of an embryo and determine before we transfer the embryo, whether the embryo is chromosomally normal or not. Also, the ability to freeze embryos, like vitrify embryos, I should say, is a new um, freezing technique that it's much better than the slow freezing techniques that we used to have before. So in the old, old days, this is even before my time, because I've been in practice for about 10 years, mm -hmm. and a lot of times we knew because the freezing protocols were not as developed as they are now, we knew that really the best chance was to fresh embryo transfer. And many times you had to put two or three embryos at a time uh, to give a patient even a 20% chance of pregnancy. And those days are completely gone now. With the advent of being able to do day five blastocyst culture with the development of excellent, excellent freezing protocols and vitrification and with the development of pre-implantation genetic testing, now we can comfortably transfer only one embryo and be able to give patients excellent success rates. Uh, in the range of 75% with the transfer of a chromosomally normal embryo. Yeah, it's so exciting. It's uh, amazing how far it's come. It's great. It's been great so, to see that. We still have a long way to go. For sure. I can only imagine like, how far it will go. But. By the time I retire, I could come back on your podcast. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Talk about all the things that we do now. Yeah, you know, for sure. For now, that I couldn't even imagine today, but it's still such a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. amazing. 
Um, and then, so maybe we could touch a little bit on say lifestyle factors or things that you would recommend to people either like going through, um, treatments or thinking about it, what sort of lifestyle factors play in a really important role in that? Yeah. I always, when people ask me about lifestyle factors, there's two things that I want to highlight. Number one is that while there are some lifestyle factors that definitely have an impact on fertility, I always want all my patients to know that infertility is not their fault. And uh, it's not a thing they're doing to bring this on. Um, and I think I always, I always pause when I tell patients, oh, you got to swear, you got to stop smoking, because I also really want them to know that it was not their fault. And this is right. just a disease that they have and they were going to um, manage together. The other thing that I like to talk about when we talk about lifestyle factors is that really anything that is good for your general health is going to be good for your fertility. Right. So the basic things like smoking, uh, excessive alcohol intake, excessive uh, extra weight like high BMI, um, eating like eating healthy foods that are low in carbohydrate that are not over processed, exercise, sleep, movement, uh, stress management, all of those things are important for your overall health, and mm -hmm. they're also going to be um, uh, going to be a positive change towards your fertility journey without making it mean that because you don't exercise, you have infertility, or because you're stressed, you have infertility. So I think it's very important to make that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. I like how you, you said that, like, it's, they're all just lifestyle things. It, but yeah, it's not your fault that you're having That's these right. issues. That's, That's really right. important. And yeah. it kind of ties into the whole, like, mindset and how important mindset really is for it as well. Mm -hmm. absolutely. absolutely. I know. I find it like it's amazing and I find it interesting like because I everyone's reaching out to me you know like how are you doing and how are you doing and it, it's been kind of crazy because I'm like you know what I'm doing really good like I'm doing like I just feel like I have so many other good things on my plate that I'm just trying not to focus on it which has definitely been helping I mean as I get further into the journey like I'm sure I'll have a lot more difficult times than I have had so far, but yeah, so far I'm like, Oh, I'm doing really, really well. Like it's just, I mean, obviously it's not perfect to go through, but you know, we're getting there and I think it's going to work out. So. Well, I think humans, all humans underestimate their capacity for resilience. Like I think it's mm -hmm. a very common thought. I can do that. Right. If it happened to me, I would be devastated. If it happened to me, I couldn't do it. But in reality, is we can all do it when we're faced with that and when we know that we want something more than we, um, more than we fear it. So yes. I know that, and I write about this on Instagram all the time, all of my patients, the strength is there. It's right in your heart. And you may not feel like you have it all the time, and that's totally okay not to be okay all the time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you can't do it, that you're not capable to do it, or that you can't go through it. It just means that you're having a moment of weakness, but together with that, with that fear and with that anxiety, there is strength and courage, all living in the same space, in the same person. And you just have to learn to tap into those aspects at different times in your journey. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, okay. So maybe we could touch a little bit. I know you hear all different kinds of things on this, people talking about the pill 
And there's a lot of people who say, oh, the pill causes infertility. I'm just curious as to what your take is on that. The pill does not cause infertility. <laughs> Plain and simple. It causes infertility when you're taking it and you're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> but once you stop taking the birth control pill, uh, it is no longer in your system. And if you have taken the birth control pill and you've stopped taking it, you know, maybe in the first cycle or two, there might be a lower than average fecundity rate, which is the ability to get pregnant per cycle on a population base. But in the long-term long -term studies, there's been no evidence whatsoever that the pill would be a long-term cause of infertility. Uh, now, there, are, there might be some women that, for example, have polycystic ovarian syndrome, and when they're on the pill, they're getting their cycles every month because they're on the pill, and then they come off the pill, and all of a sudden their cycles are very irregular. Uh, but that's not the pill. It's just that once you stop taking the pill, you go back to your baseline, which is a regular cycle, so compare it to the polycystic ovarian syndrome. Also, when women are on the pill for a long time, like 10 years, then they're 10 years older than they were when they started the pill. So their right. base fertility is going to be different um, a year zero than a year five or year 10 or year 20. Uh, but the pill itself has not shown any evidence to have an impact, a long-term impact on fertility, which is essentially your ability to conceive within a year after being on the pill is exactly the same, whether you were on the birth control pill or not. Okay, amazing. Very interesting. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so what would you say to people? Like, I know that you see a lot, like people are scared, like it's like anything um, they're scared of getting started, like making that phone call, getting a strategy and a plan. It's like a pain point, I think, for a lot of people. Like, wh what would you say to that person who's like, you know, kind of struggling and and wants to make that, that step, but they're so scared? Right. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is making an appointment with a fertility specialist is just essentially having a conversation with a person, a doctor, about your fertility goals. That's all there is to it. It does not mean that the moment you make that appointment, you get needles and you get, you know, you get treatments and whatnot. So um, the first step is just having a conversation about your goals. I always ask, you know, how big of a family do you want? When did you want it? You know, what, where you are on your journey? What are your hopes and dreams for your family? And then with that information in mind, then we plan to do testing. And the testing is almost, it's only just being like a detective. So we're looking at all the different aspects that can lead to fertility, the sperm, the uterus, fallopian tubes, the ovaries. And now we have all the information. So on one piece, we have the patient or the couple's uh, hopes and dreams and desires. And on another piece, we have the objective evidence of what's going on, the sperm, the fallopian tubes, the uterus, the ovaries. And then we put that together. And that's what a fertility treatment is all about. That's why it's not one size fits all. You kind of have to, well, not kind of, but you really have to look at the patient as an individual and interpret that information um, individually per patient or per couple. And, and then in my mind, there's nothing more empowering than that. There's nothing more empowering than being able to um, take control of your own reproductive journey. I mean, that is a gift that women today have that many women in other countries still don't have. 
And um, there are many, many ways to start your family. Um, you know, it's, it's great when it happens easily, but just because it's not happening at home in the old fashioned way, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And it doesn't mean that it makes you less of a woman or less valuable or broken or defective. Um, so this is why I really think it's so important the work that you're doing in talking about it and, and decreasing the stigma around infertility because it's going to help more women get the help that they need and feel less, has, you know, there's something wrong with that, which is the thoughts that I hear my patients sharing with me all the time. What is wrong with me, doctor? And I always say nothing. I don't have to do a test to tell you there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really like the way you like phrase that and how you kind of spun the narrative of it about it like not being that and being more like about empowerment and that being a gift and taking control I, that's really a great way to look at it thank you well maybe before we start to wrap things up um one thing that i think is pretty special and awesome that you like not i shouldn't say awesome but a really amazing thing that you bring to the table is that you've been through it yourself So maybe you could just briefly share a little bit about your journey because I think that you told me you went through IVF five times. Yes, I did. I I wouldn't have agreed with you that it's awesome when I was in the middle of that. But honestly, now now that I look back on it, I do do think it was awesome and I wouldn't change it. And of course, it's easy to say because I do have two kids out of the journey. But that's, and that is awesome for sure. I love them so much. But it's not, it's not the fact, I mean, the fact that I was successful is amazing, but it's just the fact that when you go through it, for me, has a result especially, has brought me incredible awareness to the plight of my patients. And one of the things that I love is when I have a patient in my office and she's looking down and she's like, I had a miscarriage or I just feel an IVF and... And I, and, I, and I am lost and I am sad. And all I say is like, yeah, I know I've been there. And immediately her eyes lift up and they look at me. This is when I used to be able to see them in the office. <laughs> and then we, we, there is that, that connection that happens right there. And immediately I know that she no longer feels alone. And to me, that's very powerful. And it's a gift that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I didn't know it was a gift when it happened. And now that looking back, I realized how grateful I am. I know how grateful I am to have gone through it and have had that understanding. So the fact that I have my, kid, my kids is a wonderful gift from that journey, but also the fact that it has given me that understanding of my patients and that unique experience of their experience is something that I, I really cherish as well. And, and that's why I feel comfortable when I tell my patients, no, you can do that. No, you do have the strength. No, you are, you're, you, you are capable. Because I was a patient that said, I can't do it. I mean, I remember going to Dr. Veer's office and being like, I'm done. And he said, no, you're not. You know? <laughs> so I, I'm comfortable saying that because I'm not saying that I have somebody who's looking in who doesn't get it. I'm saying that has, some, has somebody who has been in exactly that position and has had exactly that experience or feeling that you can go on and yet you can. So that's, um, that's, that's why I feel very strongly and very comfortable saying that to my patients because I'm speaking from experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so special that you have like 
that to bring to the table. And your patients are very lucky because not everyone gets that, you know, not everyone has a fertility doctor that's gone through it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I know a lot of people too, where it's like couples in general, that's got to help so much. Cause it's like one thing to tell people something, but when you've lived it yourself, it just brings a whole new yeah. yeah. And also, it's not only having gone through the experience of infertility and understanding what it's like to have a miscarriage and understanding what it's like to want to have a baby and not being able to and having everybody and you having babies, but also the fact that I had to do IVF five times. And I like sharing that. And that includes eight embryo transfers. <laughs> and I like sharing that because. If I knew, and I mean, I was in the field, I worked at what I know is one of the best fertility clinics in the country, and I knew every journal, every study, every secret, I had access to everything, and that I still had to do it multiple times. And every time I did it, we got lots of eggs, I had lots of eggs every time. So I think I did the math at one point, and I think I might have gone through 100 eggs to make two kids. Wow. You add all my egg retrievals and how many eggs I got every time. Mm-hmm. So, so that just illustrates the fact that that's just the process. And it's not that we're missing something. It's not that there is some secret thing that we're not sharing or that you have to find on Google. It's the fact that that is just the process. You just mm-hmm. have to keep searching for that egg um, to make it happen. For sure. Yeah, no, thank you so much for uh, sharing your journey as well. That's my pleasure. So great. Um, Well, before we kind of wrap things up, usually to sort of either start or end off the podcast, I like to ask everyone two questions. Um, So one of those is just like, what would you say would be, was your biggest lesson from the last 12 months? My biggest lesson for oh, from the last <laughs> month, I mean, oh my God, I just remember crazy okay. 12 months. So. <laughs> this last 12 months, well, uh, yeah, COVID was definitely a minefield for many, many of us. Mm-hmm. I guess the biggest lesson that I, I mean, I think I'm going to speak from a professional point of view. Um mm-hmm. I think my biggest lesson is that you can always, I remember when COVID happened and we had to close the clinic and we had to change virtual to virtual care and we had to basically change almost everything about the way that we practice fertility care. I, I had a lot of anxieties and reservations and I kept thinking, you know, how can we serve our patients? They're depending on us. What can we do? And I think what I've learned from that experience is that you can always show up for your patients. Um, and that patients really um, care about your presence, whether it is personal or virtual, as long as you're honest and you're genuine and you try your best and you show up. That's why I was on Instagram almost every day during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can always, I always thought you go to the office, you see patients, and that's what you do. But COVID allowed me to expand my definition of showing up for my patients and helping my patients. And that is one lesson that I took from this experience is that, you know, the, the, the interaction that I have with one single patient in the office is just one way. And then there are many ways that you can serve the fertility community. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love that. They really pushed me to really think outside the box in that, in that yeah. 
for sure. No, I must say like, just in general, you guys have done a really great job of pivoting. Like, yeah, I feel it's sort of like it's the new normal, but it's like, I feel really great going in there. You know, I'm not like scared to go in there. It's you guys have done a really good job. Thank you. We're still working on it every day too. Yeah, I can only imagine. (laughs) No, it's great. Um, And then lastly, what would be one thing that you wish that you could tell your younger self? So it is interesting that you ask this because I'm always talking to my younger self. Um, I would tell my younger self to trust herself and to know that she already has all the answers. I remember back in the day, I was like, oh, should I do this? Should I, you know, if I go to medical school, am I going to be a good doctor? What field am I going to go to? It's, you know, I didn't know that I would do gynecology and fertility. And I didn't know that I would go into fertility and go through infertility and, and all of those things. I didn't know. And I remember having so much anxiety about what is the right decision and what should I do and what is my purpose in life and, you know, what if I get it wrong? And I would just tell my younger self to trust herself and to know that she already has all the answers. Absolutely. I love that. That's, yeah. Just trust your gut, right? And That's right. For That's sure. Right. That's amazing. Um, well, I just want to thank you, like, not only for agreeing to come on the podcast, because I think it's going to, it's been helpful to me. I think it's going to like shed a lot of light on such an important topic to so many people. Um, but also just for, yeah, for being so active on Instagram and, you know, doing all those lives. And I think it's just a really good tool, especially for people right now, um, where everything is so much more online. I'll definitely, I'm going to, um, link your Instagram in the show notes so people can go and follow you as well. Cause it's lots of great information. Yes, Dr. Weiss, uh, who is another uh, one of my amazing colleagues at Martin Fertility Center, and I, we try to get and do a live at least uh, once every two weeks, and we cover different topics, and we take questions live as well, and it's, it's fun. We, we enjoy doing it. Yeah, it's good. I've tuned into a couple in there. Yeah. And then I try to post on Instagram, I try to post a combination of educational material and, and what I call inspirational material, because I think that fertility patients sometimes they just need to know what an IVF is and sometimes they just need to know how am I going to get through this for sure no that's what I a big believer like I love you have very good content I'm kind of like I don't like to consume Instagram anymore unless it's good content so I try to keep up with people that are producing good content so that's amazing thank you perfect thank you again so much for being here today I really appreciate it and it was awesome I'm sure we'll be chatting more Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you for all the great work that you do as well. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. This has been another episode of Life Gives You Lemons. Thanks so much for joining me for another week. I hope you got as much out of it as I did. Please head over to at Modern Lilies on Instagram and follow my journey there. I'd love to hear from you and what you want to hear more of. Also, if this resonated with you, it would mean so much to me if you could please download and share with your friends and family. Head over to iTunes and leave a review. And I'll see you back here next week for another awesome episode.